Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here as always with Drew Dinsick, dressed in black today. Drew, because it's funeral. We finally got him. We got them. We go down. Bailing out. MVP, still the favorite of the market, uh, bafflingly. I'm not sure he'd be in my uh, top three favorites currently, not based on who I think deserves to win, but also think based on who I think will win after today. I think. That was the big story. We'll get into that. We'll talk about the other games on the Sunday slate. We're recording halfway through the second quarter of Packers Chiefs. Uh, We'll talk about week 14 openers uh, and then uh, not a great Monday night football game, Bengals-Jags, where we'll talk about ways to get into that too. But Drew, how was your Sunday? What were your big takeaways? Yeah, incredible Sunday from a betting perspective. Yeah. only the only thing that really went sideways for me is that uh, Mike Tomlin's coach of the year. You could probably throw some dirt on that. Uh, that was that was that was a joke. I don't. I mean, yeah, you lost your starting quarterback, but uh, uh, that kind of effort against a team in the uh, the the you know, in the Cardinals that's playing for a draft choice was pretty pathetic. Um, I will say that uh, I guess starting from the top, you ready? Let's rapid yeah. fire these. Um, yeah. Massive result for San Francisco. Thank. Goodness that uh, that overhit because if they had just won and kept that under, I would have been pretty angry right now. Uh, but yes, them winning and getting the over was kind of the best of both worlds. That was the most consequential game, just in terms of like understanding these teams. Although I don't think that that necessarily tilts the NFC probability all that much because Philadelphia has to lose not just to Dallas this upcoming week, but another weird loss in order to really open the door for San Francisco. Like it's far, far, far from uh, tilting the balance in terms of who gets the one seed and the one seed is where what's that? They've got, they've got, San Francisco's got three losses. Philly's got two. If Philly loses to Dallas, and San Francisco will have the tiebreak over them. So San Francisco would have to run the slate. But, they're tied. but with the division for Philly, they will need to lose another game on top of that to lose out to Dallas and go to the five seed. There we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so I will say, though, the uh, that was consequential for the one seed. Uh, but Niners still need, need help. Um more of, of, you know, I guess of more consequence or at least uh, a kind of, of more clarity of understanding the uh, playoff picture. I mean, the wild card for the NFC all of a sudden looks pretty crystallized to me. It looks like Dallas 
the Rams and the Packers. These are your three best teams, clearly, uh, among those that don't have division footholds. And uh, the big, big, big win by the Falcons today, combined with losses and sort of a free-fall feeling from the uh, Saints, uh, I would expect that that's your four seed. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, the the uh, Lions cover and you know you know they win and cover by the hair of their chins uh, in a game that they probably should have won by margin. Uh, that's probably your three seed. So yeah, I mean the they're NFC playoff they're picture is they're not very good, but the playoff picture of the NFC is starting to crystallize, right? Yeah, I think so. We'll see with the Packers and we'll see what happens in this Chiefs game. But I agree that definitely. Well, I think that I think Seattle is still uh, at least an average team, maybe slightly above average. I think that I think the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Packers are in a similar boat, and the Packers just have a lot more upside because we know what Matthew Stafford is, we know what Geno Smith is. There is a non-zero chance Jordan Love is just like the ninth best quarterback in the NFL, and we're just finding it out now. Uh, whereas uh, Geno Smith, I don't think has that upside. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It seems like it is crystallizing a bit but let's uh let's focus on the big one uh Niners Eagles which was fascinating um from a betting perspective Niners closing three basically I think the fact that the rain uh did not affect the game whatsoever I think that probably helped Brock Purdy based on his performance last time in the rain against Cleveland which was his worst game of the season by margin but I mean, there's a lot of places to go with this. We'll talk about MVP probably more throughout the week. But uh, if you think Jalen Hurts uh, should be favored over Brock Purdy, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you shouldn't be favored over Purdy or Prescott. But to me, Drew, someone who's very confident coming into the Niners game, the early takeaway was not that the <laughs> Niners were struggling on offense and they struggled those first two series. That was a debacle. But it was just the amount of time that Jalen Hurts had. And in my mind, it crystallized a lot of things about the narratives on these two quarterbacks where for some reason, Purdy's got, you know, Purdy gets uh, demoted in the eyes of people because of all his supporting cast weapons and Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and McCaffrey. And Hurt, some reason, doesn't as much, even though he has just as many superstars for mine. And just the visual experience of watching this game and seeing Lane Johnson just kind of cook Nick Bosa and yeah. seeing the amount, like it was a comical amount of time from Hertz. He took one of the worst sacks I've ever seen in my life where he had like five seconds in the pocket. Two of, two, he did that twice. Well, the one where he fell over as well. That <laughs> yeah. was terrible yeah. too. Yeah. Like the amount of time that he had, and Purdy's yeah. running for his life every play because he's got yeah. one offensive lineman, Trent Williams, and everyone else is bad, and he's under constant pressure, and they had to adjust the game plan to make it shorter passing. Uh, and so he could get it out quickly. And when he, they made that adjustment, then it was just all over. Um, yeah. Well, it was five five touchdowns, <laughs> six touchdowns, six possessions effectively, uh, and then it was done. So, I mean, what do you th- what kind of ramifications do you think this has for the Super Bowl market for your rating of San Francisco? Do you think they are just tier one by themselves at the moment? Well, yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts clearly not my MVP, um, but yeah, I think uh, the rematch is going to entirely depend on locale, which, uh, you know, I, I, again, like, uh, I gamed out a million different ways to try to get the Eagles out of the one seed. It's hard. Um, they almost certainly have to lose this week. So basically the Niners need help still. Um, and you know, maybe that happens, but, uh, uh, you know, a playoff environment in 
in the link is maybe a little bit different scenario because here's here was my major takeaway of that game. Um, in the first quarter, it felt like the Eagles pass rush was like, hey, we got to get home. We got to be we have to be the factor here like this. The, this is on us. Like we know our secondary's in trouble if they get exposed and the pass rush kind of left it all on the table in the first quarter. And then they were out of gas because they played 94 snaps last week, which was the entire reason that the Niners closed three point favorites. Like I, I lost count Jay of how many times I heard people who don't bet on sports making commentary about the fact that the Eagles were dogs at home and why. And it was making me want to scream at the television. Like they are dogs at home because their defense has a massive disadvantage considering what happened last week. And the fact that the Niners have extra rest, that is what is built into this price. And yet, uh, you know, the, I, I think there is a decent chance and, you know, people may not want to hear this and I'm not saying that this is the time to really heel turn and go pro Eagles, but the Eagles still do have a schematic advantage offensively with the way they run their offense. That is going to be tough to beat in the playoffs, particularly if the playoffs go through the link. If they get a bye before they have to play, I don't know, the you know, the Cowboys or the Rams or something like that, like it is going to be hugely, hugely likely that the Eagles are hosting the NFC championship game. And I I, I don't know. I I think they're still the team to beat in the NFC. I, but I do think that uh, the MVP uh, now is clearly not Jalen Hurts, and the fact that he's the favorite is annoying. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I think that's just anchoring to the fact that they still have the best record and he was the presumptive favorite and people still have a certain block with Purdy. But uh, the Eagles' defense is really strange to figure out because, I mean, the names on paper, they still look good. It's still the same elite pass rush as last year still Slay and Bradbury, but they've just both gotten worse and the linebackers, and I know that Cunningham's out uh, and they've got injuries there, but, and also just Redick and Sweat just haven't been as dominant, but it's kind of like a version of, it's like a worse version of the Cowboys defense where it's just all the pass rush. And if the elite pass rushes don't get home, then it can get very vulnerable uh, on the back end. But uh, I agree when they are a bit more rested, the Niners also had the health advantage in this one, although it got kind of a little bit knocked around by Dre Greenlaw um, getting himself ejected uh, in the third quarter. But when you have guys like Cunningham coming back and Dallas Goddard, who's a huge part of this offense, uh, I do think it will be a bit closer. At the same time, I mean, the Eagles are still the clear favorite to get the one seed, yeah. but I mean, it's not much better than a... I mean, I think it's around 50% now just because... The Niners' schedule, they got one game against Baltimore. Outside of that, I mean, this Niners team, they're 12 and a half point favorites at home to Seattle. Seattle's yeah. good. It's unbelievable how good this Niners team is and how they're respected by the market accordingly. Uh, so I don't know, man. I think this team is a juggernaut. I'd be taking them even if they don't have home field. I have a funny feeling we'll be revisiting that uh, Seahawks price before the end of this show. Um, but I think this is, I, I, I your points are fair. Hearing you talk about it is starting to crystallize some thoughts in my head. Um, if the Niners wrestle away the one seed, they're going to the Super Bowl. They'll be six-point favorites at home against whoever comes out of the other side. Like, I have no question, no questions in my mind about that, right? If the Eagles hold on to the one seed for dear life, which is not crazy, number one, Hertz is doing a little bit of blocking 
Dak and Purdy in the MVP race, which opens the door for the AFC one seed. Although, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Pat Mahomes not putting up numbers tonight yet. Um, that said, uh, I think the Eagles would be something like a pick 'em if these teams replayed uh, in, you know, in a, um, uh, a-, a NFC Championship setting. What would you make an NFC Championship rematch? Because I sincerely doubt it would be Niners favored by three. No, probably not three. But I mean, based on the performance today and based on this line, everything around it, I would think that it'd be Niners minus two, minus one and a half, maybe that type of range. And we'll see how these teams close. But yeah, I don't imagine it would be three. But I mean, let's see. This team looks like uh, a complete juggernaut at the moment. Uh, One last thing on this. Just this game and the discourse around it, it just crystallizes just how stupid and inane the way that we view the MVP race is because I didn't think Purdy was amazing today. Like his stats were incredible, but it was a lot of short stuff. It was a lot of throwing to open guys. And here's the thing is that if he loses the MVP, it's going to be because of the games against Cincinnati uh, and against Minnesota. I thought he was fantastic in those games until he got concussed. I actually thought he played better in those two games than he did in this game against the Eagles. He was making tougher throws. I thought he's played better. Um, But, of course, it's this game that's going to vault him in the minds of of voters and uh, get him right firmly uh, in the discussion. I got to interrupt you because this was – you're you're you hit something on the head, which I think a lot of people that listen to the show should just hear us say out loud. When we talk about the MVP race, we are handicapping the voters. Yes. And what will happen, not who is the most valuable player. And what is absolutely absurd is that this result and a four touchdown, zero interception performance by Brock Purdy beating the Eagles will you know, launch him in the minds of the voters. I 100% agree with you. This was not one of his better performances at all. And honestly, is kind of you know, like, man, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of was expecting more. It left a little bit wanting. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, he didn't make the mistake, which, but we don't expect him to make a mistake. I, you know, I, but there was, uh, there was a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, the likes of Debo Samuel and uh, the schematic uh, advantages that are afforded by Kyle Shanahan being your coach uh, really kind of unlocked on this one. He made some like the third and seventh throw to Ayuk on the right sideline where he turned down uh, McCaffrey in the flat just to hit Ayuk because that was a perfect throw. And that really, that throw won them the game basically because after that, then they drove down and then the game was effectively over. He threw one up for grabs to uh, Blankenship, I think, over the middle that could have been picked. But outside yeah. of that, it was a very clean performance. I think it showed something. And this is the type of stuff that. Uh, the MVP race loves the fact that he started so poorly on the road in a place where he got injured last year and then he bounced back to have the stat line that he did. Uh, but, yeah, it is it is a little kind of um, college football playoff committee-ish, this, uh, <laughs> this course around it. But I hate it. Uh, anything else from the Sunday slate that leapt out to you before we jump to open man uh I mean the biggest game of of real consequence right like Niners Eagles had faux consequence because if the Eagles win they're the locked in one seed game over right and now there's a little a little bit of a suspense 
Okay. Um, Denver Houston, I thought was massively consequential. Um, the, the, um, uh, the teams in the fight for the wild card right now in the AFC all have very, very soft schedules. And then you have the likes of the Buffalo Bills who have a very tough schedule but are like all-universe offense, uh, which means that the loser of Denver-Houston, in my opinion, was kind of on the outside looking in of a playoff spot. And that game was extremely close. Uh, super, super um, well-contested game. Nico Collins, uh, I mean... Credit, uh, really, really incredible performance by him, uh, especially against the secondary that has so many really, really good cover corners. Um, and Russell Wilson had some fluky picks. Um, ultimately, that was what doomed the Broncos here. I thought the Broncos were the better team, uh, but Houston, you know, comes away with the victory thanks to high efficiency in the right times. Um, you know, I think this basically secures a playoff spot for Houston. Am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, they're certainly uh, firmly odds-on after today, particularly because Denver, who have a relatively easy schedule down the stretch, as do Houston. Just getting the tie break over Denver and going a game up on them in the standings, that is pretty key. The fact that the Steelers lost as well is key because Houston's got the tie break there as um, too. So, you know, it was a weird game. I don't. I came in thinking that Houston might just kind of wax them, and they didn't, and they very easily could have lost. I thought it was Stroud's numbers in the end were fine, but I thought that was one of his weaker games just with mainly with the sacks. And that's his that's his one thing. Look, he's a rookie. He's going to get better. I think that, you know, by the time we get into next year, he's going to be considered one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's not kind of knocking on the door of that already, but he does take some bad sacks. He took five sacks today. So like Denver's pass rush is particularly intimidating. They lose Tank Dell for the season as well, which is a big loss um, after uh, being banged up on the offensive line as well. So we'll see with the Texans. I mean, their defense was impressive, little turnover dependent, but they have such a cushy schedule from here. I mean, now you go, uh, you get Trevor Simeon, you got two games against Will Levis, you have Joe Flacco and Gardner Minshew, and that's your season. That's all that's left. It's just those five games. So uh, they are a decent chance. Certainly, I mean... I just think the nature of uh, of that team and some of their inconsistency still, they'll probably just drop one of those games because that's what happens. But I think they're in very good position to go eleven and six, uh, and and at that point they're they're firmly in in the playoffs. Uh, last thing before we jump to the openers, staying in that division, for whatever reason, I just happen to watch a lot of Colts Titans. Uh, it is a miracle of modern science that the Indianapolis Colts are seven and five. Uh, that team is not good at all. <laughs> they cannot defend the run without Grover Stewart. He comes back next week. They're missing Juju Brents, uh, who is probably their best outside corner. If we're going to say that Kenny Moore's a slot corner, even though he plays outside a fair chunk now. And Minshew is terrible. He's yes. absolutely terrible. Here they're getting, and his stats on the surface look fine. And overall, his stats kind of look fine. But if you actually watch and watch the plays that he is getting away with, I mean, today he throws a pick, which doesn't show up in the stat sheet because it was on a two-point conversion and gets run back for two the other way. Uh, He should have had another one that uh, was almost picked to lose the game at the end of regulation. Awful strip sack fumble that he just cannot take in the red zone. I mean, that team is, is awful. And Steichen's... Uh, I mean, he's not getting as much buzz as D'Amico Ryans because I think just the Texans are just the more exciting and more visible team and they have CJ Stroud. 
but both of those teams are seven and five. There is, in my mind, on merit, there is no case for Ryan's over Steichen at this point for Coach of the Year. Now, you can say the Texans project as being better going forward and thus Ryan should be favoured over Steichen. I get that. But, like, right now, the job that Steichen is doing is completely insane. Yeah, no notes. That was very, very well said. Uh, the Colts needed um, two blocked back-to-back block punts yep. in order to take this game to overtime. <clears throat> yep. It's... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's baff- it's insane that that team is seven and five with the injuries and just with the personnel. I mean that that to me is a a, a six and eleven team, uh, and they're already ahead of that. So uh, they're uh, I mean yeah, they've got an easy schedule as well. So we'll see what happens there. All right, before we get to openers this Sunday night, Drew, it's a huge matchup between alleged MVP candidates, certainly one of them I will accept, uh, and Super Bowl contenders <laughs> when Jalen Hurts and the Eagles travel to Dallas for a battle with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right. Week 14 openers. Did anything leap off the page to you here? There's a couple that I have I that I had eyes for before we even got here. <clears throat> and they are big, big, big old dogs. Uh, one of them is uh, the Ramley, uh, as I am now officially a Rams fan. Actually, I got to dig my Cooper Cup jersey uh, out of uh, out of storage from uh, from Super Bowl week uh, and wear that the rest of the season. Because oh, really uh, I when think in life. Yeah. Yeah. Ram, yeah. Rams. The, yes. We're, yes. Rams. The Rams. Uh, the Rams. Uh, are are live in my opinion. Um, excited about today's effort, by the way. Like, really well done, guys. Like, that was a big one for me. Thank you. <laughs> Rams fan, Ramley. Here we go. Um, I think they're live against Baltimore. Honestly, uh, this sure. opens this opens seven. I was hoping for seven and a half. Uh, maybe there will be some early Baltimore bets that take this back to seven before I get down. Uh, but I think this is a, a decent spot to look Rams. Um, I know they uh, have some injuries in the wide receiving core. Puka Nakua uh, obviously went out in the first half, but came back and was super effective in the uh, uh, in the running game for the Rams. Yeah. I don't know if you saw a couple of those design runs that, yeah, were just spectacular. Right One of them got called back by holding, so it didn't show up on the stat sheet. Let me just tell you. Like more of that, like that, those were outstanding, outstanding plays. Um, so yeah, I think the Rams are, are live against Baltimore. Uh, that seven point spread is big. I have an inkling to get involved with the Seahawks against the Niners at 12 and a half points. Is that crazy? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those lines that seems too big and also seems like uh, the favorite will cover anyway eventually. I think the thing is that the Niners their pass rush just devours Seattle whenever they play because the Seattle sure. O-line 
is so bad. Maybe that's been a bit lost in the wash today that just because the Eagles O-line is apparently the greatest O-line in history. So today was completely insane that they were able to do that to Bosa and Armstead uh, and Chase Young. I mean, it was it was, it was like men against boys, some of these plays. Um, but it does seem does seem a little bit big, 12 and a half. Seahawks off extra rest as well with their season on the line. Uh, maybe some emotional letdown uh, for the Niners. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you on the Rams. That seems a little bit too big. I'm not sure that people have fully absorbed that the past three games for the Ravens really haven't been that impressive. Losing no. three rounds. They beat the Bengals, but... Joe Burrow was moving the ball before he did, uh, before he got injured, and then not a super impressive game against the Chargers either. Uh, a couple that jumped out to me, and I think there are two games really. I know, it, I know which two you're going to say too. <laughs> okay, well, they're both dogs. I don't know. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're not on the same page. Let's see. So, okay. I don't think the Lions should be five point favorites at Chicago. Um, oh, wow. That wasn't one of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that's okay. too big. I don't think the Lions are very good. I think the Chicago defense is just legitimately very good. Think about yeah. what Minnesota were able to do in terms of moving the ball against New Orleans and Denver with Josh Dobbs and Atlanta to some uh, respect. And then Chicago just completely destroyed them. I think having sweat on there, we talk about how a number one cornerback uh, what it can do uh, in terms of repercussions for your entire defense. Well, how about having like a premium edge rusher as well? I think that has really helped them. Jared Goff outdoors. The Bears really should have beaten them in Detroit a couple of weeks ago as well. And then I know the Broncos are perhaps a little inflated in public perception after this winning streak, but I'm not sure they should be three-point dogs on the road against the Chargers. Uh, I think that should be inside of three. But uh, what do you think of those two and, and what were the two that jumped out to you? Yeah, Chicago for me, I have to get a read on what the weather is going to be like before I get involved there because that's literally going to be the difference between taking anything outside of three points and taking the money line for the Bears. So we know we're on the same page there. Like I don't, don't disagree that the dog is value there. It's just how do you play that? Uh, and to me, it comes down to weather. Um, the ones that I was like kind of <laughs> expecting you to say, the Trubisky. Jets are now... The Jets are now a Trevor Simeon team, Jay, and they're up against Houston laying six and a half on the road. The Houston Texans are laying six and a half on the road against the Jets, and this is now a Trevor, Trevor Simeon experience. Um, I don't know if he's like notably better, but I, I, I have to really think hard about that one. Um, the other dog that I was kind of, uh, you know, kind of somewhat expecting you to at least kind of throw into the mix is Carolina because uh car is not coming back anytime soon. Right. Like this is now the James Winston experience and Carolina's defense. They were okay today. Yeah. Panthers. I mean, it was a somewhat respectable showing, uh, able to cover against the box, but yeah, if that's Jameis, I think that line will come down, uh, a little bit, I guess. I think, yeah. Should it's be a, a dog week, man. Favorite against the Patriots. Um, that's kind of a difficult one. To get a gauge on, particularly with uh, the Steelers had a lot of injuries out of today. TJ Watt got banged yeah. up uh, and they had some yeah. other losses as well. With the Jets, I don't really understand how the market is pricing this team uh, and haven't for the past couple of weeks where I didn't understand why the Dolphins weren't double-digit favorites. I didn't understand how this Falcons line got down to one at some point. Like Tim Boyle might be the worst quarterback who's ever played in the NFL outside of, um, what was his name? Kendall Hinton? Was that his name? The wide receiver. <laughs> the wide receiver. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least Kendall Hinton offered a rushing threat, which yes. Tim Boyle doesn't. But someone who 
desperately needed the Falcons today. When Simeon came in, I got a little scared uh, because I was very <laughs> confident that Tim Boyle wasn't going to march down the field and I was pretty confident Simeon wasn't going to either, but at least he's different and yeah. he looked a little bit more competent. Again, both of those guys just have no pocket awareness uh, and just seem like they're a strip sack waiting to happen every fifth play. But I think that Simeon probably has to be better uh, and that Jets defense is still just absolutely incredible. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see. It's very difficult to imagine Trevor Simeon uh, staying within a touchdown of C.J. Stroud, but this is the this is the best defense that Stroud will have faced probably since week one in, uh, against Baltimore, effectively. Stroud's played some very easy defenses in this run, so uh, that'll be a fun game to think about through the week. All right, before we get to another fun game to think about, Bengals-Jags, uh, don't miss... A Big Ten basketball doubleheader this Tuesday, Drew. First watch Michigan State host Wisconsin at 6.30 p.m. Eastern and keep the action in the Great Lakes State when Indiana take on Michigan at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can catch both games only on Peacock. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Any college football playoff thoughts, Drew, before we get to Bengals bag? It's Michigan's world. We're all living in it. Yep. It is the Great Lakes State, uh, apparently. Tough scenes uh, for the Michigan folk because they found out they were playing Alabama instead of FSU. But uh, I'm sure they're happy just to be there after uh, eking past Ohio State. Uh, Ohio, Cincinnati Bengals at the Jags. Jags minus 10. Total is 40. This market open Jags minus 8. Do you think this move, fairly sizable move, is justified? No. Um, Darger pass. Yeah. I have no skin in this game at this moment, uh, but the fact that this is 10 kind of offends my sensibilities. Um, the injury report is less favorable to the Jaguars. Uh, Travis Etienne, questionable. Tyson Campbell, questionable. These guys matter. Um, I would say that uh, Cincinnati's defense has been an absolute abject disaster uh, now going on three weeks. Um, however, they are getting healthier. Uh, so there's a decent chance that Cincinnati puts together an okay performance defensively. The Jacksonville Jaguars offense is not fixed. I still have huge questions about these guys. In fact, I don't think it's entirely foregone collusion that Jags are going to win the NF- AFC South. Uh, Houston, with their remaining schedule, could steal this thing. Uh, like Colts. Need, the Colts could steal this thing. Like, oh, the Colts lost both of their. They, they're they're zero and two against the Jags, right? Whereas Houston, Houston split. Well, Houston, Houston split though, right? 
<laughs> yeah, but they lost the game to Indy in the divisional record. Ah, that's true. That's true. So that's they need true. to they need to finish. Probably, if I'm understanding yeah. correctly, they got to finish a game ahead of Jacksonville. Yeah, so it's probably a foregone conclusion. But that said, like I don't know what is exactly compelling people to believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to come out in this game and absolutely thump the thump the Bengals. Uh, Bengals are. You know, they're still a team with a lot of players who have played a lot of you know high leverage games uh, in the in the playoffs the last couple of years. They have some good, good bona fide blue chippers. Um, this should be competitive. Um, I am not a guy that is dying to go to war with Jake Browning, so I haven't bet it. Um, but uh, it's getting close to the price where I just can't st- you know I can't walk away from this one. Uh, if anything, I may dial in on a first half Bengals play in the idea that. Uh, you know, the Bengals keep this competitive at least for a half. If it is uh, Jags runaway in the first half, I'm going to look for a live entry on uh, Cincinnati's second half just because the Jags defense seems to let everybody hang around. Um, but uh, I don't have a ton of interest betting this game. What about you? Yeah, I think it's an interesting game to think about from the perspective of what would the line be if it were Joe Burrow here? And I guess my mind is kind of frozen in when Burrow went out and how the Bengals' defense was rated back then. And, I mean, if Burrow is here, isn't this game close to pick? <laughs> it's going to be not yeah, that far right. off of it. Jags maybe yes. slight favorites. And so are we saying that Jake Browning is 10 points worse than Joe Burrow? <laughs> I think back to when uh, Aaron Rodgers missed the game against Kansas City and Jordan Love came in for that game a couple of years ago and that line moved, I believe, seven points. And that was going from not uh, the, this Jordan Love who we're watching right now apparently is uh, the second coming of Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> That's when Jordan Love was making, I believe, his first start and was expected to be pretty bad and was terrible in the game. And so that has always been my kind of benchmark for what's just about the biggest disparity that we can have. Uh, and that was seven points. And Aaron Rodgers won the MVP that year. And now, like, this is just a massive move. Now, I understand some of it is with the defense and just how comically bad the defense. This is a bottom three defense in the league at the moment, I think, particularly with Cam Taylor-Britt, who is still out, uh, which is a problem. And outside of that, I mean, it's it's Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard. There's not a lot going on on this defense. They really miss Jesse Bates, who's been incredible this season. Uh, but that, that would be my concern. And... The other thing is, like, Browning was terrible. Browning was absolutely terrible against the Steelers. <laughs> against the Ravens. So, uh, but yeah, I think the 10, 10 is a, a little too rich for me. Um, yeah, it's so, a big number. If it gets to 10 and a half, this is a must play, Bengals. But otherwise, I'm out on this one. Yep. No, I, uh, I like it. All right. We're done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us as a podcast. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. Thank you again, Mr. Purdy. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 